Pio Fever Podcast, Episode 7. Uh, you know, I can't believe we made it this far, all the way at number seven. And it just seems like we're getting better and better every week. Last week, we had Westberg relived a lot of the national championship in 2015. And this week, we got someone right along the lines, Eric Law, coming in. One of my teammates from the Atlas Lacrosse Club has been an all-star his whole career throughout DU, the MLL, and now in the PLL. Um, and this is all presented by Toyota USA. Eric Law, how we doing? <laughs> good, Trev. That was a pretty impressive uh, introduction there. I like that. You got to get some good skills for it. You should uh, take up some like in arena hosting job once you're done playing. I mean, I mean, man, dude, this is number seven. I'm getting pretty good at it. But yeah, you are. I almost forgot the Toyota. I forget the Toyota almost every time. So can't forget the Toyota. I have to slip that in right at the end. You know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know all about that. How you doing, man? I'm good. Just uh, out here in Denver. The weather is starting to get beautiful, so can't complain about that. And just trying to live uh, somewhat of a new normal lifestyle. How about you? Right. Yeah, man. I'm actually in New Jersey right now. Um, been in Philly, but uh, in New Jersey, just came home for the weekend to see the parents, um, which has been great. I'll probably yeah, have to nice. down to Philly right after this, actually. Um, and then we're going to come out to Denver. I'm coming out to Denver next week. Heck yeah. Yeah, so we'll be able to meet up in there, get the workouts going, get training going, get ready for this PLL championship series. How are yes. you feeling about I'm it? Pumped. How are you feeling about the series? I'm really excited. I'm pumped for it. Uh, I feel like getting back to the field is going to be kind of like that, uh, getting back to some sort of normal in our lives. And I'm excited just to, uh, to get there. And I actually have enjoyed the process of, of training for something new. Um, this is going to be my eighth season playing professional lacrosse, which is wow. crazy. It makes me feel super old. Uh, but it's been kind of fun to like have a different sort of training uh, regimen going in here, you know, focusing a whole lot more on cardio since it's going to be uh, up to seven games in, in uh, 16 days or whatever it really actually comes down to. Um, but super excited for it. Um, I'm, I'm ready just to get out and play. And it's it's going to be kind of – um, I'm definitely way more removed for it than you are, but kind of that atmosphere of having like that college system back where you're out there and you're doing everything together. So, you, you know, we're going to be eating together, we're practicing, we're playing every single day, um, grinding it out. And just for that three weeks, we really just get to be like, that's all we really have to focus and worry about. And I'm, I'm super excited and, and pumped to like get going on it. Yeah, man. You know, I think I think you really hit that on the head. I'm excited as well, and especially for that, you know, team camaraderie and that uh, the process of the whole event. Because I mean, you know, you said your eighth season playing professional lacrosse. Obviously, you played lacrosse at DU, uh, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, you know, there's nothing like college lacrosse. There's nothing like living with the guys that you're playing with every weekend. Um, it's, and, and kind of grinding day in and day out, seeing everybody's face, um, and, and putting all that hard work to come together for a championship, you know, there's, there's nothing like it. So, so I'm excited to have that opportunity. And I think that's what makes, you know, college lacrosse so different than professional lacrosse and just has that like special place in all of our hearts where, uh, you know, you practice five days a week for one game. 
So you're, you're grinding, you know, two and a half, three hour practices every single day for one game on the weekend. And so, you know, I think about it and obviously you can always remember and like think about like the fun games you played and everything else. But I remember more importantly, like it was fun just to go to practice. Like obviously there's days that like you don't feel your best or feel like you can, but then going in there and like grinding it out with 50 other guys, like there's, there's nothing quite like that feeling of like accomplishing something like I never got to experience winning a national championship, but in my three years, making it to two final fours was something that DU hadn't done before. And that like, I'll still remember talking to, you know, guys in my class, guys above me, guys I played with and everyone just remembers, obviously remember the big games, but like the small funny things that happened in practice of, you know, Right. Maybe someone gets in someone's face and someone gets in a, a chirp in someone else or someone did something that coach T yelled them for something or Brownie said something funny in a huddle. Like that's, that's the things that you remember. And uh, that's, that's what I'm excited for to kind of in a way recreate that in like a three week short pan. And, and I'm, uh, I'm excited for it. And I miss college cross. I'll admit it. I miss it. Right. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people are, are in that boat guys that, that play, have played, and even don't play because the season was canceled totally. this year, you yeah. know, um, yeah. missing that. So, uh, you know, and to that point that you made earlier, you know, it's fine. It's been like, I feel like I've been working out and, and training and you don't really know what for. You kind of, there was no light at the end of the tunnel, like, hey, you know, maybe soon I'll be able to play again or maybe soon I'll be able to, uh, you know, even practice with other people again. <laughs> you never knew. But now yeah. we got that date, which is exciting. Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, I'm ready man. for it. I want to get here now. Right. Tired right. of waiting. Yeah, man. So when, when, we, when I get back out of Denver, wherever this championship series is, I think we got to make the road trip out there, you know? I don't think there's a better way to start the team camaraderie of, <laughs> of two guys driving out together, no matter if it's East Coast, West Coast. Who knows where it's going to be, but we'll start that road trip out. I'm, I'm game. I'm in. No question, man. No question. So, so let's kind of get into, I want to talk about you as a player and what has been really impressive for me uh, to watch is the way that you quarterback in offense um, without necessarily having to carry the ball all the time in your stick. Um, and even your ability to score so many goals at the highest level without necessarily having to carry the ball in your stick for a long amount of time. I mean, you look at a lot of top attackmen in any level, you know, they got to have the ball in their stick, you know, 90, 80% of it, almost every possession, you know, to, to really uh, produce. And you don't have to do that. And, and where do you think you develop that skill? Well, I don't want to give him too many props because I don't want to give him too big of a big head, but coach Brown was a huge part of kind of my development as that kind of player. Um, I had played with or played for coach Brown in the summers when I was in high school with the mile high all-stars, uh, which was with the old DU coaching staff. And then that's kind of turned into what Denver elite is today and uh, played for coach Brown. I always loved kind of his offensive systems, everything, you know, and then I spent my freshman year at Salisbury and when I was at Salisbury, I, I really rotated between playing on the second line midfield, and I was kind of like the fourth attackman, and uh, get a lot of like playing time. And then I ended up breaking my collarbone, whatever. Was at Salisbury, um, then some things happened. Had an opportunity to come back to DU, took it, jumped on it, and um, I, I didn't know about this, but 
when I uh, came to DU, I still was technically a walk-on. So my first day of practice, Coach T's reading off the numbers. We're going to do red-white, so which is a, a, a 5v4 drill going both ways. So he's reading off, you know, who's going to be on the black attack, who's going to be on the white attack. And I'm just sitting there waiting to hear my number called, and it doesn't get called. I'm like, oh, all right, maybe they forgot that I'm here or something like that. And then they're going through the middies and dividing up the middies between the black and the white. And it's getting down to, like, some of the last ones. I'm like, oh, they really, they really did forget about me. And I was the last – the last mini called uh, for one of the teams. I'm, and so to myself, I was kind of like, well, like, looks like I got to make this team play midi. Like that's, I've never really done it before in my life, but this is what we're going to do. Um, so kind of like started from there. And then I actually played pretty much my entire sophomore year, my first year playing midfield. Uh, and then the last couple games of the year when Todd Baxter, unfortunately got hurt in the playoffs. Uh, I started a couple of games down at attack um, and, and even kind of going from there. So, when I first came to DU, you know, I was a midfielder, so I had to learn everything that a midfielder does. And so I had to learn the offense both from a, a midfielder standpoint and an attackman standpoint, because it's still at the same time I was kind of floating back and forth and helping just wherever it was needed. And so I learned a bunch of skills that a midfielder does need and also kind of what attackman needs. And then my junior year, I started at attack, but I was playing with uh, Mark Matthews and Alex Demopoulos, who were both uh, All-Americans at the time. And so Mops played X and, and Mark played the left side. So it was kind of like, all right, like, Elal, you, you're, you're the righty. Like, you got to play that right side. And my role actually was to be the quarterback of the offense without kind of like having the ball on my stick. So I was supposed to always be the communicator of talking through what offenses we were running, um, constantly talking to the guys in the field and just letting everything know what was going on because Mark and Mops were going to be the two guys kind of handling the ball and I was going to be – kind of the off-ball guy slash just do whatever was needed as that third attackman. And so that's kind of how I got into that role of like, you know, seeing offenses and seeing and reading a defense and recognizing exactly, you know, what they're doing and what their game plan is and how we can attack it. And then I would talk a lot with Coach Brown and figure out like what was going on in those situations. And then uh, my senior year, Mark and Mops both graduated. And, and that was like the summer when Brownie kind of was like, you know, we're going to kind of give you the keys to be, our quarterback. And so um, I kind of took all those skills from everything else I've kind of been thrown into and was like, all right, like this is where I feel most comfortable is being behind. But um, I've never been a guy, like you said, to like when I do have the ball on my stick, I'm trying to create opportunities for other people. And I don't want to hold on to the ball for doing let them let the ball die. I always let like the ball to do the work for everyone else. Um, and then that's just kind of how it's like kind of fit into my system. Um, I like to say that I'm not great at a lot of things, uh, but I'm very mediocre at a lot of different things. So, you know, I'm not the biggest, fastest, strongest guy. I'm not the best ball carrier. You know, I'm not the fastest of shooters. Um, but on the other side of that, like I can dodge pretty well and I, I can make it work when I need to. I can play off ball pretty well if I need to. I can have an offhand if I need to. So I just have a bunch of things that kind of just are very mediocre, but not top of the line. And, and I feel like that's just kind of how I've like kind of filtered my game around that. But uh, a, a lot of it does have to go to coach Brown. I will have to give him a, a bunch of credit for that. And some of my past coaches I've had is, you know, always finding a way that even though I'm not going to be the biggest, fastest, strongest, whatever it may be, just always finding a way to be putting pressure on a defense. And uh, I've been able to find that way of, you know, kind of getting to be a sneaky guy um, an off-ball guy and just being an absolute pain in the butt to cover. Um, 
is kind of always what I've kind of prided myself on being as a player. Right. I like that, man. That, that was like, uh, kind of, I did, kind of didn't expect you to say that, you know, I didn't expect that, that kind of route of, of how it went. And, and obviously like you kind of alluded to how you transferred from Salisbury and, and I want to get into that, but a little bit later, what I, what I really want to say is, is, and ask you, so, you know, like, I don't think you're mediocre at anything. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll say that personally, but like you, you know, you put that out there now, you know, you talked about how coach Brown has taught you a lot and, and that big point of putting pressure on the defense. Now, was that something that you looked at yourself and you said, okay, these are my skill sets. This is how I can put pressure on the defense. Or was it more like, you know, I'm just going to try this and this is going to work, you know, or like, oh, I can't beat this guy here. So let me just try to back cut him there. You know, like how did it, how did it all evolve? It kind of came to me and I wish that there was like an aha moment. Like I wish there was one of those times you're almost like, oh yes, this is how you do it. This is how you right. do it. And it was like, kind of just like a, uh, like a culmination of a bunch of different things. But to me, it was always, um, I had a coach when I was younger that always said, if you're standing for more than two seconds, you're doing something wrong. And so I always like, whenever I'm playing anytime, I always try to remember that when I'm like, still now today, like if I'm playing and I'm standing still, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not doing enough because there's only one ball and there's six guys on offense. So the, the amount of time that you're actually going to have the ball on your stick is very little. And so you need to be putting just as much pressure on a defense without the ball as you do with the ball. And so I was always like, okay, I know that there's guys on my team that are better at carrying, like beating their defense in one-on-one, like carrying the ball. Like I know that there's always going to be a matchup that we like probably better unless my number's called and I do feel comfortable like carrying and being that guy. But a lot of times it's going to be someone else. So it's like, okay, how do I then not only put the pressure on the defense, but also set up my teammate? Like how can I help him become more successful? And then also in a way, like how can I be, uh, in, a, in a spot on the field that I can then help our team out. So, you know, that might be as someone's dodging, setting a pick for someone or clearing out of his way or trying to get the backside of the goal to put that defenseman in a spot where it's like, okay, is he going to slide or is he going to worry about me, which then opens up my teammate. And uh, it just kind of always came from um, how, how as a team can we like beat this defense and how can I help my teammate be successful at what he's doing? Um, if that like makes sense. That. No, that makes, you know, that that makes, makes sense. Where it's like, you got to kind of know your strengths and weaknesses as a player, I feel like, because, you know, if you look at a team, all six guys, which I think is what made that 2015 team, DU team so incredibly good, is from the starting attack to the first two midfield lines, every single player on that team could beat their guy and, and was a threat to beat their guy. And it's what made it so difficult for a, for a defense to cover because they didn't care who got the matchup, just whatever matchup they liked the best, that was the guy they went with. But if you look at a lot of teams, a lot of offenses, you know, sometimes there's a big crease guy, and, you know, that's just kind of his role. Sometimes there's a big step down shooter. That's kind of their role. So it's, it's finding a way to um, know your strengths and weaknesses as a player and your offenses strengths and weaknesses and knowing uh, which guy should be doing what. And like, how can you always be a threat? for every single time that you're on the field? How can you constantly be putting pressure on the defense and constantly making them work off you, you know? That's why I've never been a defensive player 
in my life, which funny stories about that of, of why <laughs> Coach T ripped into me my sophomore year when I was trying to learn defense. And I, I literally can't do it, Trevor. Like, I am the worst defensive player <laughs> in the history of defense. Like, I am so bad, and I just I don't get it. I just don't understand defense. But I always have understood offense of a way of, like, how do I make them react off me, not the other way around? Like, I've right. never liked it, like, okay, they did this, so I'm going to do this. It was always, like, I'm going to do this to make them do this type right. of opportunity. Yeah. You know, really, really what it could be is – you know, and what I was going to say is, is you really have a really holistic view of the game, right? And, and I think a lot of people miss that, especially in college. Like, it's, it's phenomenal that you can realize that at such a young age, relatively, right? That, yeah. you know, it's not just about me just beating my guy, running to the net, scoring, and then we're going to win the game. Or, like, how many times I could beat my guy, you know? And a lot of times, that's all, that's all a player's thinking about. And then it's almost up to the coach – to say, okay, you're going to beat your guy here and then you're going to pass it here. And, you know, rather than you're kind of seeing everything and what the defense is trying to do and how you can, uh, like, I guess, uh, expose them. And totally. what I'm thinking for you, right, the reason why you might, it might be tough for you to play defense is when you're – when you have the ball in your stick or you're playing offense and maybe the defense does something to you that you didn't expect, it's a very, it's a very quick in instinct for you to be like, okay, well, they're doing this. Now I'm going to do this, you know? So maybe when you're on defense, you're like, oh, well, if I do this, he's going to do that. And then, then I'm screwed, you know? So you're like overthinking it a little bit, you know? hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. Guaranteed. Right. That's oh man. I can't even tell you how many times I tried like overthinking everything. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it got like, to the point okay, too. Well, so this I'm is the crazy thing too often, is he's gonna back cut me, you know, like okay, so I guess I'll just stay in tight, but then he's gonna shoot it over my shoulder, you know, like <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> no, totally. And I kind of kind of took like a page out of like, you know, quarterback slash Peyton Manning. Like Peyton came to the Broncos when I was either I think maybe when I was a junior. So it was like kind of like during that time. And, and that was when I kind of started getting into more of like watching film with Coach Brown and, and watching film in a way to just define tendencies and not like not necessarily looking for weaknesses in like a defense or anyone. It's just tendencies. Because once you find out like someone's tendencies, then you can attack that. And um, I always loved that part of like a football game where, you know, you run one play in the first quarter to set up a play in the fourth quarter. You know, right. like when you're going to need the most. So if like you run it in the first quarter, it might not work. Like you're setting it up for the longer term of the game. So it's always like that constant, like it's a chess match. And that's why I've always loved about like, and that's why I still love about competing and going against like really good defense and really good players. Like take Tucker Durkin on our team, like strong, fast, super smart. But I love going into battle against him because it's like, okay, you know, he has these strengths. Like what can I use against him that could like, gain me an advantage you know that's like I've, I've always loved that part of it and that's what still makes me want to keep playing is I love being competitive and I love like finding those ways that like how can you as a team combat that and then and, and go and, and attack a defense in a different way right I like that I like that so something that a coach told me years ago that that's something that stuck with me for basically my whole career to this day is he would say amplify your strengths 
but don't let your weaknesses be a liability. So I love that. Basically what he meant was, you know, if, if say you don't have a left hand, say you're a dominant righty and you don't have a left hand, this is like a very simple example, right? So he's saying your strength is your right hand. You know, you don't have to go to your left hand until someone shuts down your right hand. Then you're not having a left hand is a big liability for you, you know? So then you gotta, you gotta take the steps to either strengthen your right hand. So it's unstoppable or you got to build your left hand up because you can't have a liability, you know? Um, So that's what he kind of told me. And that was something that, especially in the face-off game, that was something that I took to heart, you know, because, you know, my strength is winning face-offs, winning it in maybe a a special way or a specific way. And then once somebody figures that out, then it's like, well, everything else is a liability for me. So I got to build up these little things. I don't need to build up. I don't need to be able to catch and shoot and dodge and sneak like E-Law, right? I don't need to be able to do that. That's a weakness for me, but that's not a liability for me. You know, yeah. like that's not going to yeah. be an issue. Um, yeah. So that's what, that's something that always stuck with me. And I think you're kind of saying the same things, you know? Absolutely. I love that saying. I'm yeah. taking that with me from, from now on. I love that. Right. Cause I, Cause I feel like a lot of times, you know, kids look at the game and uh, they, they either think, okay, like I'm just going to get really, really good at this one thing and forget about everything else. And then all those other things is a big liability for them. And they're not worried about those. And then that's one side of it. And then the other side is, you know, there's sometimes kids that try to be really good at everything and they just end up not being really good at anything. You know? Yeah. Cause you just said yeah, like the same skill set from everything. Yeah. No, right. I like that. That's a, that's a, that's a beautiful quote. I like that. Yeah. So that was something that stuck with me, but so kind of going, I want to backtrack a little bit. So transferring to DU from Salisbury, walk me through that. Cause I don't really know that story. Yeah. So it was, so yes, yeah, so it was my freshman year. Um, I, I loved my team at Salisbury. I loved coach Berkman. Me and coach Berkman had an awesome relationship. Um, he was like the last coach to really, um, kind of not just to say I have faith in me, but like kind of like believe in me as a player. And like, he was on me since day one of like the whole recruiting thing. And kind of when I got into like late junior year and part of my senior year, like a bunch of other teams kind of started to fall off. You know, they're, they're saying they're interested, but then would just tell me that, you know, if you come here, you're just going to be a practice player for the first three years, you know, maybe your senior year, you'll see some man up time. And, and I heard that actually from like three or four different D one schools. This I was is, like, all right, whatever. This is when I was getting recruited. Yep. Right. And so okay. Berkman the entire time was like, Hey, like come here, like you will win a national championship. Look at all these different all Americans I have. Like you will have an awesome time. Like I know you want to work hard, do all that stuff. So went out there, learned a ton about like being able to just move away from home, like going to the complete opposite side of the country, um, doing all that. And then unfortunately the third, I think it was either the third or fourth game of the year with like a minute left in a game uh, scored a goal and broke my collarbone and it was a pretty bad break and ended up being out for 10 weeks um, of that season. So out for a ton of time. And, you know, when I was, when I was going through it, it was kind of one of those things that my parents had always told me during the recruiting process or anything like do the broken leg test. So if, if you break your leg and lacrosse and sports are completely taken out of the picture, like, where are you going to be the most happy? Like, 
where's the place that you're going to fit in the best with, with academics, social life, everything, like what's going to be the best fit for you. And, you know, for me coming out of high school, was like lacrosse is everything. Like right. lacrosse will never be out of my life. Like I'm always going to like do this, whatever. So, and that was actually my first ever injury ever was this broken collarbone. So when I was there, I started thinking about, it, you know, and I was like, man, like, I wonder it would be awesome to play back because coach Tia just came back to DU and that was his first year was my freshman year. And I had two or three really good friends that played for DU. One of my best friends at the time um, was, was Drew Babb, who was going through some stuff. So he was always in contact with the coaches. And, and Drew was like, oh, he was in the office talking to, to Coach Brown. And he was like, oh, yeah, I think Eric's, you know, thinks about transferring. He doesn't know where, but, like, he's thinking about maybe coming back home. He doesn't really know what he was doing. So um, kind of kept conversations going with my friends. And, like, you, we think you would really like it here, like, we think you'd love the like the coaching style that Coach T and Coach Brown have. I think you'd fit in great with like all the kids and everything. And and I had met some of the guys like when I came back home for like winter break, and I was like, man, like your guys' team is like super tight knit. Everyone's awesome. Like this is sweet. And then um, I just came back after injury from Salisbury. Ended up playing in the national championship game. Unfortunately, we lost. And then a couple of days after I got back from the national championship, you know, had a meeting with Coach T and my parents in his office, and he was like you know, we'd, we'd like to have you, but you're still going to have to technically be like a walk-on type of thing. And um, so it was kind of like, all right, do I bet on myself and, and go do this or, you know, try to go somewhere else like, or stay at Salisbury. And, and then it got down to the point it was either going to be D or Salisbury. And I was going to go back and then uh, kind of had this, like hung out with a couple of the guys again. I was like, these, these are the people that I want to be around and be home, like have the opportunity to play in front of my, my family help grow the sport in Colorado. Like, do you just had one of the best years they've ever had? Like how cool would that be to be a part of this? Keep growing, like the continuation of Colorado lacrosse. So kind of just took a, took a chance. and was like, all right, we're going to do it. Like, let's see what happens. And uh, it ended up being probably the best decision of my life of, uh, of uh, going to DU and playing for coach T and coach Brown and um, kind of the rest is history from there. Right. Man. Dude, that's a great story. It, yeah. really resonates with me because mine was kind of similar, you know, especially I ended up not actually going D3 that freshman year uh, to Franklin and Marshall, but it was pretty close, you know, it was like a couple yeah. months off, like the last, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. a couple months off and, you know, definitely by far best decision I ever, I ever can make, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and and like you said, you know, kind of growing lacrosse and, and all that outside of all the amazing things you're doing on the field at, uh, you, know, at you know, for the Atlas and over your eight uh, professional seasons. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing with City Lacks and growing the game and, and helping it become more diverse. Obviously, extremely relevant in the climate that's going on in today's country. So yeah. definitely want to speak on that a little bit. Yeah, so I started working with CLX right when I graduated from DU, and it was um, when I was still – it was at that time I was playing for the Outlaws, and uh, Rod and Ben Allison, who runs CLX, kind of approached me with the opportunity to kind of do somewhat of like um, a really part-time job with them of, of trying to help grow CLX um, at that time. And uh, I kind of came on uh, with them as like the idea of, you know, I'm going to work for them in the part-time while I'm looking for – another job, like a full-time job. Cause at that point I didn't know if I was going to be staying in Denver or take a job somewhere else. So kind of started going with them. And then, you know, 
one month passed. I loved working with them. Two months passed, still loved it. And it kind of came to the point where I was like, you know, like I, I loved, I'm loving working with these kids. I'm loving growing the sport in this way. And, um, it kind of just kind of snowballed into that's now what I've done full time for the past eight years now, or say yeah, going on my eighth year with them. Um, and it's been, it's been incredible. You know, um, we spend so much of our time, especially in college, we spend so much time um, and effort putting into the sport that when you're done, you're like, man, like that, that was a lot of hard work. Like, am I burnt out? Do I want to do it? And then I came to this, started coaching kids with City Wax, and I was like, I, I love the sport again. Like, I refound my love of what the sport is really all about. Um, I think at its highest level, when you know when we're playing, like we can forget about it because it's it, we're in the moment. It's like we need to win this game, what it's all about. But then you take a step back and realize what the sport has actually done for me personally, and how many opportunities I've had because of the sport, and um, just the different like. The, the relationship I've met, you know, I've, I went to college and you know, I've traveled the world. I've been able to now play and get paid to play lacrosse, like the different, just little things that pop up all because of the lacrosse community was so important that I then felt like I needed to um, share those opportunities and pass that along to other people. And, and not only that, but also like diversity in lacrosse is a major thing, you know, like, it's a thing that needs to be addressed and needs to be changed. If we want our sport to be inclusive and want our sport to get to that next level, every single person, regardless of your age, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your social economic class, like everyone deserves the opportunity to play lacrosse, everyone. And if I can do a little bit of my job of, of helping more kids get introduced to the sport and then them take that to the next level, that's amazing. You know, but for me, even a success is introducing the sport of lacrosse to someone who then learns about accountability, who learns about respect, who learns about sportsmanship, who learns about um, time management, any of that stuff that just plays one season is like, you know, I picked that up from lacrosse and now is doing better in school. Like that's just as much success to me as having someone graduate through CX and then go play at uh, the highest level, you know, and it's right. just uh, the more that we can grow the sport in a way that is getting more people exposed to it and, and realize that there is an opportunity for them long-term of, of keeping the sport in their life is, is amazing because, you know, I always like to think back to the original reason why lacrosse is so special is from, you know, it comes from the native Americans as the creator's game and they, and they played it as a way to celebrate and make the creator happy. And it's a, and it's a medicine game to make people happy and feel good. And everyone deserves that opportunity. And, and that's, that's easily what it comes down to me is um, I've been so blessed of, of having a lot of people take chances on me that it's my turn now to give that to other people. Right. Dude, that, that was, that was great, man. That was heavy. And I like that's that. Just, you know, and, and, and seeing, you know, with everything going on, like I, I resonate big time. I sent you that text yesterday. It was like, I resonate so much with it because, you know, my first real impact with, with um, the African-American community was when I started with City Wax and going through each year, like I'm going to go ahead and say, like you do see people with those connotations towards it. Like I can't tell you how many times different teams, different other opposing coaches, um, sometimes referees, parents, like it's a serious thing. And it's something that's very like that I've seen on the front line. 
I've, I haven't experienced it. Like I'm a white male. So I, I haven't experienced it for like against me, but when it's against the kids I coach that I consider my kids, like I've never felt more fire and fury in me when, when that stuff is even hinted at, not even, it doesn't have to be said, but even when it's hinted at from another coach, I'll, it, it, it fires me up, you know, I've had to be like almost restrained on the sideline from going at it, like get into it with another coach because of those types of things. And, and, and the sport, like sport can't succeed if it has that kind of stuff going on, you know, and, and the sport won't grow and it, and it, and people will be off by the sport because of that. And, and uh, even if it's just a little bit in our society of, of growing that, thing of anyone can play any sport like I said regardless of your gender regardless of your age regardless of your race and regardless of your socioeconomic class right like it's City Lacks started as a way to getting more people playing it by removing that financial barrier but it's also turned into you know everyone deserves this opportunity right right man no I, I really like I really like everything you said man obviously really resonates with me and um you know just that that work and effort and passion that you have for the game and the kids. And it, it really shows, you know, like you could hear it in your voice. You could hear the difference, you know, in yeah. yeah. that passion that you have. So that's always exciting for me to see and exciting for me to hear. Um, so kind of wrap up, man. So, you know, we talked about a lot. We talked about you played at DU, you transferred from Salisbury. Now what, and this is a question that I really haven't asked too many people. And it's come to me kind of earlier this week, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, this would be nice to add to the podcast. What, what's next that, that you want to do in lacrosse? You know, so you have so many accolades, you go to your ACs and you got MVPs, you got all stars. What, what would you like to do next? And it's okay if you don't know. Oh man. I don't know. That's a, <laughs> That's a heavy question. That's uh, um, I'll I'll break it down into two. I'll, I'll break it down into like my playing, what's next of what I want, and then kind of like the outside stuff. So, first of playing is is you know, I'm so competitive almost to a fault, which I've <laughs> I've learned from a lot of people who have told me that that you know. Uh, sometimes I don't have that switch of between being like a friendly competition and just like a, a professional one, you know? And so I, I mean, you want to win, you know, there's like, that's why we play, right? Like we play to win and, and I, there's nothing better than a feeling of, of winning a championship with people you put so much work into and that you care so much for, for your teammates. And, and my favorite part of winning is like seeing the joy on your teammates faces. Like it really, like it, that's what makes everything right. Is like, you and your teammates celebrating because you worked so hard towards a common goal. So obviously that's what I want. I want to keep winning as many championships as possible and, and play as long as, as I'm still, you know, feeling that competitive fire and still able to make a good, um, a positive impact on the team that I'm on. Um, and otherwise outside of like my actual playing is, you know, I want to keep growing this game. I want to keep getting it into sticks. I want to keep getting sticks into kids hands that would never have thought, lacrosse was ever a possibility for them and I want to help kids see their full to full potential um by just giving them that opportunity and, and showing them you know what they are capable of um so many kids do get frustrated with lacrosse because it can be a hard sport to pick up but giving them 
you know, that encouragement and like keep pushing them to keep wanting better for themselves and for their families is, uh, is something I want to keep doing. And, um, I was thinking about the other day is, is man, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to leave, uh, this, the city lacks opportunities. Cause I, I truly do love seeing kids light up with the opportunity to play it and, 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 um, keep on growing and, and, and ending that stigma that lacrosse is, you know, a one race sport. And, and it's only like the high middle-class white guys that are playing the sport. Like, I want to keep changing and, and breaking down those barriers for the, for the kids sakes and, and, um, and for the sports sake of, of keep growing it here in Colorado and making it a place for everyone to feel safe and happy to be. And, um, that's, that's what I love most. I love interacting with kids and, and I want to keep, um, you know, being a hub coach and, and coaching is just as much teaching them skills on the field as it is off. And, and that's what's, uh, that's what makes it so fun and so different every single day of, of people that have coached understand that, that, you're never going to meet the same group of people and there's going to be different ways that you have to get through to them. And then that's what makes it so much challenging. and so fun. I like that, man, dude, that was, that was a great answer. And man. you know, selfishly, what's yours. So selfishly, I started asking, I thought I was like, I was like, maybe I should start asking other people so I can figure out what I want to do. You know? <laughs> but, um, like, Ooh, I like that answer. I'm taking that, you know? So, you know, no, I like, I'm, I'm kind of right with you with everything and growing the game, obviously adding diversity and uh, you know, on the field, I feel like, I feel like in lacrosse, it's kind of just been like a wave for me, you know, like everything kind of happened so fast. It was like, I started freshman year and I didn't think I was going to go to division one. Then all of a sudden I'm getting this call by Denver that I take the opportunity. Then all of a sudden I'm playing, like I'm starting, didn't think that was going to happen. Then, yeah. then we win a national championship that year. Didn't think that was going to happen. Then, <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was going to happen when we started. You know, the team. Oh, I know had, what you mean. Yeah. But like, yeah. if you ask me before I went to Denver, I didn't think I didn't think I would ever be in a Division One national championship game, let alone yeah. playing in a Division One national championship game. And then you know, like the the three next years fly by. I continue to play really well. I have so many memories, make so many great connections and friends. And I never think I would play pro lacrosse that I'm playing professional lacrosse. And Actually then I'm here, I'm here right now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like, what the heck happened these last five years, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but it's been great. And, and I think now I'm getting to a point with, you know, guys like you that, that I'm teammates with and I've seen like do it and, and continue to do it and led so well that is like a great blueprint of, of what I should be doing, you know? So, so it's great. And I'm, and I'm lucky to have guys like you, especially you and being on my team, we're going to take, yeah, baby. you know, we're going to take this championship series by storm. Baby. Let's do it. Go Bulls! Horns up, baby. <laughs> All right, man. So I know you got to bounce. So I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, Eric law, Elaw underscore 15 on all social media outlets. If you want to drop him a follow, leader on and off the field, my fellow bull, my fellow Pio, appreciate you, man. Road tripping. Road tripping, baby. Get the gas can ready. Let's go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Trev. Thanks for having me on, man. And thanks for everything you've done for uh, representing DU and representing, you know, not only the PLL and the Atlas, but also lacrosse in such an amazing way. And we appreciate everything you're doing and, and changing the game on the face-off position, no matter if they're going to make you stand up or knee down. Dude, we're going to make that happen. <laughs>